the national state of emergency will be extended for the next seven days. Grant Robinson will be the Cyclone Recovery Minister and will also lead a cabinet committee that will make decisions relevant to the recovery. He'll be assisted by Barbara Edmonds, the new minister. The cabinet has agreed to an interim relief package for the cyclone-affected regions of $50 million for businesses, workers in the primary sectors. And cabinet has also agreed to put $250 million into the National Land Transport Fund's emergency budget. And the Prime Minister said the scale is significant to the likes of which we have not seen in a generation. It's 15 to 5. You're on the panel on RNZ National Monday afternoon. We have Parmjeet Pamar and Raven Can with me this afternoon. Now, what responsibility do media outlets have in a time of crisis to provide accurate information? The issue was highlighted in Media Watch yesterday, who said, quoting, Cyclone Gabrielle buried homes and took lives, including those of rescuers, this week. But as it bore down the country, front-rank hosts at News Talk ZB played down the danger it posed and complained about a day of school closures. So what we've done is whip ourselves into this extraordinary frenzy. I'm listening to your mate Chris from the Met Service. He's now talking about 100k winds as being like a, a hurricane. Well, he described it as ferocious. Anyone, anyone who lives in Wellington has lived in Wellington. 100k's is a breezy day. You've still got an outdoor <laughs> table at the cafe. I mean, what we've done is we've got ourselves into this mental state now where anything is... It, I'm we re- panic. I'm but re- I also think we're in a state now where we, we, we want to be told what to do all the time. I and we almost enjoy it. It's like, oh, hung, oh, hung. Hunker down, don't go to school, don't go to work. It's like we almost enjoy the panic. Also, to what extent might that play into a wider sense of climate scepticism? By the way, you can hear that uh, story at rnz.co.nz forward slash media. Watch with us is Dr. Sanjana Hatatua, a research fellow at the Disinformation Project. Uh, Dr. Hatatua, kia ora. Kia ora. So, what have you seen around climate denial and disinformation? And is there indeed a link? Well, you're asking me to <laughs> package that in a, in a couple of minutes, which is <laughs> impossible, really. I mean, uh, where does one start? I mean, right. we laugh, but the issue is a deadly serious one. We've just heard the Prime Minister's comments. We are reeling as a country. Uh, in a once in a generation um, disaster. And the pivot of disinformation isn't new with regards to all of it. At the Disinformation Project, we discovered, we noticed, we studied the pivot after the sunset of the traffic lights framework mid 2022, where all of the disinformation networks and super spreaders and producers kind of latched on to pre pandemic conspiratorial frames, the fluoridation of water chemtrails, a concept called geoengineering, which is attributed with the power to create earthquakes and climate events like Cyclone Gabriel. And so there's a whole cornucopia of madness that is now amplified as a consequence of the disinformation networks created for COVID-19 and against the vaccinations and against mandates. So on the one hand, this is for TDP, not a new narrative, and globally too, not new, But in the lead-up to Cyclone Gabriel, it kind of ratcheted up incredibly and significantly. First, when Gabriel was coming inland, before it hit Aotearoa, 
to downplay and dismiss the risks very clearly communicated by official um, vectors of communication like Met Service and other government sources. And then what we are studying today is quite bizarrely attempting to suggest that this is not in any way connected to climate change and even more maddening frames, suggesting, for example, that, and I am not making this up, listeners must understand that this is what is communicated and what is actually subscribed to be true, that former PM Jacinda Ardern was behind the engineering of this, which is linked to conspiratorial frames that suggest this is a government conspiracy, that it is a construct of the government to subjugate and control people. So it is an alternative yeah. reality that they're dealing with. Okay, uh, so let's go around the panel for this. Uh, let's get some responses from them and then come back to you, uh, Rabin. Uh, well, I think the the moral of this, um, and, and I and I listened to that um, head and nail uh, segment, and, it, and it's I recommend everyone you know search it out on on the uh, on the website. The moral basically, if there is a civil emergency, change your station away from News Talk ZB because they will actively undermine your prospects of survival from harm. It's like, well, government agencies were trying to send messages of preparation and caution. They dismissed it and turned it into a, the, the culture war or a, a, a right-wing pro-National Party, anti-Labour Party, well, peace and I, gone I, mad argument. I, I don't want to um, jump in on uh, what's going on with their station, but actually expanding perhaps on Rabin, uh, Dr. Hatsua, the role of media in this. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to comment on that? What responsibility do our media outlets have in a time of crisis to provide accurate info? Well, it's central, isn't it? It's about saving lives, quite literally. That's not a metaphorical uh, position, um, and that is what disinformation and what we are studying with grounded evidence is very disturbingly trying to undermine and erode. So what we are studying directly today and for the past week has been sustained attempts to decry, devalue, and deny the validity of official information and all official information sources, including the Met Service, including NZ Civil Defense, and including all mayoral, city council, and governmental information sources, and all of mainstream media. So this is not something that is going to pass. Um, this is not something that's going to kind of become any better. This is here to stay, the endemicity of this splintered reality. Okay. And mm. what is happening right now is going to impact future disaster preparation and recovery relief efforts as well. What would you say to this, Palmji? Yeah, I think what we have learned is that we should never undermine a weather warning because that's our tendency because when we always think that, oh, it's heavy rain, heavy wind, and then nothing happens, and then we think, oh, another warning, nothing will happen. And when we had floods here, so there was announcement of a closure of all schools, but then in just, I think, a day, they said, oh, it's up to schools, which schools want to open because it wasn't, the situation wasn't the same all around Auckland. And I think under mining cyclone, if anybody did, uh, I think was well, a that's how mistake. The, that's how uh, this yeah, particularly, particular yeah. instance started, which is why we're that's talking right. about it. Yeah. And when we had floods, we didn't have any emergency alert, but for cyclone there was. And I think there is something that we need to look at when Met Services issues any warning that there is emergency alert so that people become aware and can look after right. themselves and their communities. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, final, don't want to undermine. Final comments, Anjana? 
Well, yes, I mean, absolutely. All of this you would think is uh, simple logic and um, is uh, part and parcel of uh, a country that is uh, no stranger to uh, natural disasters ranging from the weather through to earthquakes. However, let me stress, and I think that listeners need to realize this, that there are people today who do not believe what this program will put out, what I say, what the other guests are saying, and what government will put out, including through the Met Service, as alerting and official warning and official instructions, including relief and recovery vectors as well. That, I think, and I would submit, is new and is going to splinter not just the preparedness, but I keep stressing the relief and recovery efforts as well. Let me stress what the PM just said. He said that, for example, that there are the amplification of unverified reports of a complete breakdown in law and order. That is exactly what we are studying today. And that is leading to heightened anxiety and heightened anger, which, of course, will have offline consequences as well. So this is what disinformation is doing. It's not helping. Good to have you on, Sanjana. Kia ora. Thank you for your time. That's Dr. Sanjana Hatatua at the Disinformation uh, Project. Uh, thank you, Raven, for telling it like it is. Please, Wallace, don't shush him. It's, it's critical everyone understands the damage done by that station and their continually cowardly lack of comment. Cheers, Raven, says Fiona. By the way, I haven't mentioned this because it didn't feel like the time to do so, but there were quite a few people interested in Raven Can's comments, the fact that Enid Blyton played new tennis, um, and we weren't <laughs> able to come to that. <laughs> but, Raven, I don't feel it's the time and place, but... Um, can I ask when you're on next? We can return to that particular story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. anyway. I'll, I'll make a note. I'll make a note. <laughs> Diarise it. Look, I, I finally I thought we would check into the cricket. White Ferns have crushed Sri Lanka with a 102 run victory, clinging to semi final hopes at the T20 World Cup. And to tell us all about it is the person who kindly uh, delivered um, Hawks Bay listeners who had no connectivity last week, Zoe George Stuff, senior sports journalist, podium podcast host. Hello, Wallace. Yes, I was up early this morning to <laughs> yeah. watch the White Ferns. It was spectacular. We need, I think, you know, it puts everything in perspective, right? All the stuff that we're going through right now. And, and sport is a bit of an escape sometimes. Um, Isn't it? And it yep. was really... It, it really is. Um, and although the test didn't go the way that the Black Caps may have wanted and they lost by 200 and mumble, mumble runs, they'll be able to make that up at the Basin Reserve from Friday in front of a sold-out crowd. But with the White Ferns, they still have their T20 World Cup hopes alive just by a sliver <laughs> with 162 for three this morning. Mealy Kerr, 66 off 48. Susie Bates, 56 off 49. It was really nice to see our top-order batters firing they hadn't been able to do it up until pretty much this point in time in the tournament. Uh, and then the bowlers again, Mealy Kerr, 2 for 7 off 2.5, and Leah Tohuhu, 2 for 12 off 4. So really great a day for Mealy, who was pers- player of the day. Um, now it all hangs in the balance. Bangladesh have to beat South Africa tomorrow morning. Yes. So I'll be cheering incredibly loudly for Bangladesh. I would love to see the White <laughs> fans sneak through. Um, Can be done. Current- it yep. can be done. Um, and also, just to point out a couple of other good things, Lydia Ko absolutely smashed it overnight for the Saudi Ladies International, oh. bringing home $1.2 million. It's the richest prize purse. And the Breakers have made it through to the NBA, NBL finals for the first time in seven years. Just keeps uh, coming. With an amazing Listen, win. Uh, who, so there you go. <laughs> I can't think so.
So good who's news. The, who's Some the good biggest? News. Who's the biggest cricket fan on the panel? Is it Palmjeet oh, or Ray? Palmjeet? All I can all I can say is that uh, I would love to be proven wrong in this. If we are relying on Bangladesh beating South Africa, we need a miracle. Okay. It, I, we can do it. We can. The can Bangladesh do can do it. I believe. I have faith. I have yeah. faith. That's good. Uh, Raven. Uh, I yeah. I I like the. Um, I like it when something mathematically improbable happens. So yeah, go Bangladesh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, can I just mention um, because I've been watching this uh, really interesting. Uh, uh, Netflix has got this amazing series about upcomers. Uh, you know, uh, Zoe doing on the tennis circuit. You know, um, the, the Grand Slams, and then you've got the um, golfing one. The golfing mm. one is extraordinary. What comes to mind are the pressures that these sports people face. It's it, it is huge. We have to remember that you know that, that is huge, and there's a lot of external pressure. Yes. I think if you want some feel good sporty TV right now, watch Physical One Hundred. It's a South Korean sort oh, of yeah. non murderous Squid Games versus Greek Games type <laughs> show. It's amazing. A hundred of these amazing, incredible athletes, their camaraderie and the way that they talk to each other and inspire each other is so beautiful. And that for me is what sport is all about. They have a lot of fun. It's highly competitive. It is addictive watching. But I think if you want some feel-good stuff, watch that. Welcome to Wrexham and Ted Lasso is coming out in a couple of weeks. So start binge watching the first two series of that because that's pretty feel-good as well right Good now. Good on you, Zoe. Thank you for that. We needed that. That's Zoe George, Stuff Senior Sports Journalist. Well done, Raven. Totally accurate commentary. They're on a bit of a roll with you, Raven Can, uh, this <laughs> afternoon. Um, so, look, we didn't get to sneak in. We've got 30 seconds. What else do you want to say? Can about I say you? one more thing? Yes, yeah, sure. I just want to say, yeah, how on earth does do, do you get to a point where, where you politicise the Met service? <laughs> how did, what have we come to where the Met service is suddenly this lefty, deep state, state conspiracy? <laughs> it's crazy times. And on that, anything else to say about uh, Enid Blyton or anything else before we move into a checkpoint with Lisa Owen? No? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'm... Yeah. That's it? No. Hey, both of you, wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank Palm you. Palmjeet Pamar, Raven Cam. I'm Wallace Chapin. I'll see you tomorrow from 3.45. Stay tuned to RNZ National Checkpoint with Lisa Owen next.